The following episode of Dead Rabbit Radio contains imagery that most humans would find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Babies. No matter who you are or where you're at in life, we all started off as a little tiny baby person. Now, some of us have had great lives and some of us have had horrible lives, but if you're listening to this podcast, you haven't been cooked alive. And now we're going to take a look at several stories, some may say too many. Whether we're talking about a true crime story where a mother put her own baby in the microwave in the middle of the night, all the way to Thailand, where a man was mass-producing cooked babies. This is a weird episode. The idea of being cooked alive as an infant should strike terror into the hearts of any well-meaning, well-adjusted human being. But it turns out, it's terrifyingly common. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. I guess I should say, welcome weirdos for the people who listened to that intro and said, oh, this is how I want to spend a half hour of my life listening about babies being cooked alive. You know, it's funny. I debated whether or not to do this episode. I actually thought about splitting it up over the course of several episodes. But I figured, if I listen, if I got to talk about babies being cooked I want to get it done, and I do want to talk about it because we're going to uncover a conspiracy theory in this episode that is so chilling, it makes Pizzagate look like Watergate, which is is fine because that was just some guys turning doorknobs and trying to steal some files. Like, the conspiracy theory we're going to talk about at the end of this episode is so bizarre Well, let's go ahead and get into this episode, and you'll notice we don't have any Patreon supporter. There's no one going to be flying us around. You're going to be the pilot today, you, because I don't think anyone wanted to be a Patreon-exclusive supporter on this show. So, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. Let's leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed all the way out to Somerville County, Texas. The reason why we're headed out to Somerville County is we're going to start our macabre world tour here. This is such a bizarre set of circumstances. And I wanted to give a shout out to Miguel Lexito. Miguel Lexito posted, there's a subreddit called Creepy Wikipedia. And they posted a page and it was, babies cooked. Babies cooked to death. There's a Wikipedia page for everything. And it talks about the urban legend, and it talks about some true crime cases where this has actually happened. So, first off, let's go over the urban legend, if you're not familiar with that. This is the story of, there's a teenage girl who likes to party, but, you know, everyone thinks she's kind of a square. She's a big old nerd. She's basically a lady on the streets, but a freak in the sheets. And when I say sheets, I mean sheets of acid. The neighborhood people think that she's a totally normal girl, so she gets invited to babysit this baby while the parents are going on a date. And as the parents are leaving the house, the mom turns around and looks at this young woman and says, and don't forget, put the turkey in the oven and the baby to bed. And then they get in the car. Now, actually, now I'm thinking about it, that's weird. Why Why did they hire the babysitter to also cook the turkey? Why are they going on a date if they're going to have a full-size turkey? But anyways, this was the setup of the, of the urban legend. It's really like an anti-drug message. So the parents leave, and then the girl goes, Oh, yeah, totally. Put the turkey in the oven and the baby to bed. 
So she's playing with the baby, and then it's kind of boring, right? She's drinking the bottle. She's like, oh, come on, this sucks, baby person. Do something cool. But since the baby's, you know, kind of dumb because it's a baby, it can't do anything cool, the babysitter does what she knows best. She does copious amounts of acid. Mmm. One pill makes you smaller. Mm-mm. She's eating it. She's just sitting there back on the couch watching Archie Bunker. Dude, that would suck. Could you imagine doing acid back in like the 60s? Like nowadays, you can at least you can get stoned and watch like the Righteous Gemstones. But imagine like back then getting stoned and you're like, uh, all that's on is Archie Bunker's show or whatever that was. Uh, like the Smothers Brothers. Uh, maybe maybe the only way you could tolerate those shows were with drugs. Anyway, she's doing a bunch of acid and halfway through a trip, she's like, oh, I got to do what my boss said. I got to do those two things. So eventually the parents come back home from their date. They go out to dinner. They're like, oh, man, that sure was a lot of food, but I can't wait to get home and eat that fully cooked turkey. They were the original members of my 600-pound life. They come home. And they open the door and they smell a scent that they're not used to. It actually it's kind of repulsive. They're like, oh, where'd you buy that turkey at? It smells super disgusting. Ugh. They see the babysitter. She's still just kind of sitting on the couch, kind of moving side to side to the theme song of MASH. And she's like, there's not enough drugs to make this show funny. And the parents come in and they're like, oh, the house is super stinky, but I don't know. And the mom goes up to check on the baby. And when she goes upstairs, there's a turkey in the bed. A frozen turkey slowly thawing out in the bed. And the mom starts screaming because she knows what this means. She runs downstairs and opens up the oven. And inside of it is her baby. No! This is the episode where I totally get all these copyright strikes. That's the urban legend. I remember hearing that as a kid. It wasn't one that super scared me because I wasn't a baby. And I think it was meant for older people. It was meant to the, the moral of the story, urban legends tend to have these morals, right? Moral of the story is this one is, one, don't do acid if you are babysitting. I, I think the moral of the story is, one, don't do acid at all. But definitely don't do acid while you're babysitting. And if you do hire babysitters, drug, drug test them, I guess is the lesson. Or just be careful of who you're hiring. So anyway, I wasn't scared though. I remember hearing that story. I was like, ah, whatever. So fast forward. It's an urban legend that pops up quite a lot. Fast forward all the way to now I'm 46 years old, I think I am. I'm 46 years old. I find this Wikipedia article and I go, oh yeah, the roasted baby urban legend. I wonder if there's any truth to that. What's interesting, it's not odd that there is. Unfortunately, when you when you sit back and think about it, you go, yeah, I could see somebody accidentally or on purpose cooking a baby. You're like, Jason, who could accidentally cook a baby other than a drug addict? Well, stick around. Stick around. Or don't. Or don't. Keep your innocence. What's really interesting is that this has only happened, as far as we can tell, at least in America, this has only happened maybe six times throughout modern American history, six times. And we're, we're, I'm not saying that people haven't burned babies and stuff like that. I'm talking about the idea of actually putting a baby in an oven. It hasn't happened a lot. It really hasn't happened a lot. So let's take a look at some of these cases here. We're pulling up to Somervale County, Texas, and it's March 2016. And in that month, there's a woman named Tasha Hatcher. She's 34 years old. 
She's high on alcohol. Glug, 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 glug. Mary Jane. Oh, the doobie hit so hard. And methamphetamine. Oh, the shadow people. Shadow people, I don't... I mean, she's injecting it, maybe. Maybe smoking it. She's... That's a bad combination. Alcohol, uh, weed, that's one thing. But add that meth in. And she's freaking out. She's running around the house. She shoots her cat. Throws it in the oven. Cooking her cat. Then... She takes her daughter, throws her in the oven, and now she's cooking both the daughter and the cat. And what's odd about about this, other than the fact that she just did this horrible thing, is she snaps out of it. She takes her daughter, who's half... She's still alive. The daughter is alive in this one. She pulls her daughter out, but she suffered some pretty bad burns and begins running around the neighborhood with her daughter. And Tasha, she's completely nude. She takes her daughter out of the oven, is running around the neighborhood. <laughs> she's basically thinks she's a Domino Pizza delivery man. She's running around the neighborhood holding her daughter. She goes to the neighbor's house and she says, something happened, something happened. I don't know what it was. Could have been the meth. Could have been the fact that I'm totally high, but my daughter got cooked. And the police show up and then she immediately starts like flirting with the cops. Which, listen, I've had some girls flirt with me that I really wasn't into, but none of them were nude holding their half-cooked daughter, so I can imagine how awkward the police were. The girl is totally fine. The girl is absolutely fine. The mom got 20 years in prison for this. She half-cooked her daughter. She got 20 years. And remember, this happened in 2016, so she's going to be in there for a while. Here's a little sad, sad addition to this story. When I was going through it, I was looking through some of the news articles about this. They hosted a GoFundMe for the daughter who got a chard. It only raised $150. And I know you're reaching for your wallet right now. You can't donate. The GoFundMe is canceled now. But isn't that awful? You see all these other ones where people are like, oh, no, my shoes fell off. Can you buy me new shoes? And he gets like $10,000. This poor girl was thrown in an oven by her mom. With a dead cat inside the oven. Only got $150. Now let's drive to... Let's drive just a little bit further. Now we're in Houston, Texas. In 2015, we're going to go back a little bit. There's a young girl, a little baby girl, 19-month-old, named Jazira Thompson. And she is put into the oven. And unfortunately, Jazira dies. She is fully cooked alive in this oven. What happened was it wasn't her mom who put her in the oven. It wasn't a babysitter who put her in the oven. The mom and the mom's boyfriend had a history of leaving their children alone. They have four children in total. And they have a history of leaving their children alone. They live in this apartment complex. Josiah's grandma lives in this apartment complex, right? At any point, they could ask grandma to come and watch the kids, but they're not doing it. Jazira's mom and her boyfriend are gallivanting around town, and she leaves the kids home all the time. On this particular time, the mother and the boyfriend went to Domino's Pizza to go get some delicious food. And while they are gone, Jazira's own three-year-old sibling put her in the oven and turned it on. And her other two siblings watched as they cooked a 19-month-old baby. The boyfriend and the mom, they got charged with child endangerment. They both got 12 years in prison for that, for leaving those kids alone. They got charged. And that, that, I think, is 
I mean, honestly, I think the sentence could be bigger, but definitely they should have been punished for that. And here you go, Jason. This is interesting because we're starting to see a bit of a trend here. The urban legend is about a babysitter. It's about an outsider coming in to your home. It turns out, like I said, there's about five or six cases within the United States. We're not going to go over all of them. I'm not that grim of a person. They're all family members. Every single time a baby has been cooked alive in an oven or a microwave in the United States, it's been done by a family member. But let's take a look at the earliest known account of a baby being stuffed into a microwave. You're like, Jason, please, please don't. This is where we get those first two. They're horrible tragedies. They're what we call local news stories. But this next one actually sets some precedent. This next story really delves into the true crime aspect of what... I mean, this is, a, this is a fascinating story. So I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. To my non-existent listener, you can catch him in your ghost hand. We're headed out to rural Virginia. It's September 23rd, 1999. And there's a young mother named Elizabeth Ott. She's 19 years old. And one month ago, she had a little baby boy, Joseph Lewis Martinez. She wakes up pretty early in the morning, like 4 or 5 in the morning. There's a panic in the house. No one can find little Joseph. They look everywhere for the kid. Can't find him. End up calling the police. The police show up. Now the police are searching the house. Joseph! Joseph, where are you? Everyone's looking around. And Elizabeth is like groggy. She just got woken up. Hey, your son's a mess. And she's looking for him. Everyone's in a state of panic. One of the people searching for Joseph was his aunt. And as everyone's looking around, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, maybe she had a gut instinct that this is where Joseph was. Maybe she wanted to warm up some coffee. She opens the microwave. And inside is the cooked remains of Joseph. So they found Joseph, and now it's a criminal issue. They begin investigating it. And what they discover is... Elizabeth Ott, in the middle of the night, this all came out during the trial, Elizabeth Ott, in the middle of the night, woke up to feed her baby. And in the morning, they found the baby in the microwave and a bottle of milk sitting on the counter. What she said is she goes, okay, this is, this is the only thing that I could think of would happen. I took the baby... And I took the milk, and I wanted to warm up the milk in the microwave. It's weird how, how closely this is to a fictionalized story. I wanted to warm up the milk in the microwave and feed it to my baby. But I have a history of epileptic seizures. And the only thing I can think of is in the middle of the night when I was groggy, I had an epileptic seizure, and I accidentally put the milk on the counter where I was going to feed my baby and put the baby in the microwave. And then I was got confused, and I went upstairs. It sounds so fake. It sounds exactly like the urban legend we've all heard. And this was being, this was her court defense. She was facing charges of, I think it was manslaughter is what she was facing. They start bringing in experts in neurology and epilepsy and things like that. And the experts were split on this issue. You had people saying... You had people saying this is completely impossible. There's no way. When you have an epileptic seizure, 
you have a hard time doing even common things. They said tying your shoes would be difficult. And I'm not talking like as you're having the seizure, anything's going to be difficult then. But after the seizure, when you're in that confused state, they say doing something complex, which would be like driving a car, tying your shoes, making a meal. You don't have those type of skills. But then the other side, you had people for the defense saying, I agree with the prosecution. It's so weird. They go, I agree with the prosecution. You shouldn't be able to do this. However, it could happen. It, you had expert after expert saying, you had expert after expert using words like exceedingly rare or highly unlikely. And that was the defense. <laughs> Those were the best experts the defense could They go, listen, it's a crazy world out there. Is it possible? It's highly unlikely, but it's possible. You had other people saying that she was acting really weird the next morning. Apparently, like her boyfriend, who was the father of Joseph, as everyone was freaking out after they found the baby, they go, she was acting kind of weird, and she told her boyfriend, don't worry, don't worry, we can have another one. People thought that was a little weird. Was she trying to console her boyfriend, or was... Did she mean to cook her baby? Someone also said she also was accused of threatening to kill her boyfriend's grandma because the grandma was accusing her of murder. So who knows? High tensions. Who knows? But actually, as all these court proceedings were going on, she ends up pleading no contest. She gets 10 years with five years suspended. So she only does five years in prison for cooking her baby alive. Now, remember, she didn't deny it. She just said she didn't mean to do it. What's interesting is a year later, again, this is exceedingly rare. It's highly unlikely. A year later in Holland, a six-week-old girl is cooked in a microwave. One year after the case of Elizabeth Ott. Her argument? Your Honor, I have seizures. I had an epileptic seizure, and I went to warm up the bottle, and I put the baby in the microwave instead. She wasn't even charged in Holland. She faced no charges. It's interesting because you think Elizabeth Ott, she may or may not have meant to kill her child, right? It could be postpartum depression. She could be an awful human. It could also have been an accident. It could have been exceedingly rare. But it's either way, it's probably pretty likely she inspired the Holland incident. Because this would be an easy thing to get away with, right? Like, now that there had been precedent set... Now they go, well, maybe it isn't exceedingly rare. We had it happen in 1999. Oh, now we had another one happen in Holland. If you wanted to get rid of your baby and you had a series of epileptic fits, seizures, and you have a history of them, it's possible that would be a way to get... Uh, it's horrible, though. Horrible, horrible story, but it's so fascinating how we have this urban legend turned true crime turned precedent-setting criminal case. And if that was it, if that was the only thing we were going to talk about as far as roasting babies, I actually would have put it into some other episode. I think that's very fascinating, but I would have tacked it onto another episode. But I don't even think that's the darkest thing we're going to talk about vis-a-vis cooking babies. So strap in. And I'm going to toss you the keys of the Carboner Copter. We're leaving behind Virginia. We're headed all the way out to Bangkok, Thailand. <laughs> And now we're in Bangkok, Thailand. It's May 18th, 2012. 
In Bangkok, there's a man who comes to the attention of local authorities. His name is Chow Hock Quinn. He's 28 years old. He's a British citizen born in Hong Kong whose parents are from Taiwan. He's arrested with a couple suitcases, and in these suitcases are six human babies that have been cooked and then wrapped in gold leaf. There's a lot of disagreement. If you look at these articles, there's a lot of disagreement about what is going on here. But I'll tell you this right now. There's photos. <laughs> Be careful when you go through the show notes because there are a lot of photos of this. Some of the articles specify these were fetuses. These were fetuses. And you see like the little arms, the little legs, and the big old head. And they're wrapped in this gold leaf. And there's the police have taken photographs of them in these boxes. Some, some news articles call them fetuses. Other news articles say, no, these are babies. And I'm not talking about the pro-life, pro-choice thing. They're saying these, these babies were two to seven months old. Not in the womb anymore. These are straight up babies that had been delivered that had been cooked. He had purchased them in Thailand. This is what they figured out by talking to Cho. He purchased them in Thailand for $6,400, and then he was going to take them to Taiwan and sell them for six times their worth. That is a business opportunity that you do not want to be a part of, but you can't deny that turning $6,400 into $36,000. You like my math there? I've been working on it. That's very profitable. The question, why in the world does anyone want to buy a Gold-covered, cooked baby. Black magic. Apparently, in this region, in Thailand and Taiwan, there's a thing called the Kumin Thong, or the Golden Child. This is an old tradition. And having possession of one of these Golden Childs makes you rich and makes you lucky. It makes you rich enough you can... <laughs> makes you rich enough you can buy a gold-foiled baby, and it makes you lucky enough that you won't get caught when you do. The idea comes from this classic tale from Thai culture called Kun Cheng Kun Fein. It's this old epic poem from the 1600s. It's a story. I think we've co- I think we covered a little bit of this on a past episode, but let's go over it again. There was this. This is the story. There was a dude named Kun Fein. He was this poor boy who was trying to win the heart of his sweetheart, Wan Thong. And the story is basically the Forrest Gump of Thai culture. It takes place through all these national disasters and wars and politics. And throughout it, you're seeing Kun Fein trying to bang Wan Thong. And then there's like these romantic rivals in the story. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure we talked about this before. But in the story, Kun, I'll try to put the episode in the show notes. You're like, Jason, now I've had enough roasted babies for a day. Kun Fein, at one point, he has to go into battle. He has to take care of something. And he uses, he, he knocked up this chick and the baby dies in the womb. And he cuts the baby out and uses his own stillborn child as a charm. He cooks the baby, he wears it as an amulet. And this baby actually warns him when danger is coming and gives him dreams of guidance, helps him figure out like where he needs to go through life. So that's an old legend, and it's still going on today. You can buy one of these lucky golden childs. So you go, Jason, wait a second. You said 
that in the old legend, it was definitely a fetus. It was a stillborn. They took out of the mom. Yeah, let's put a pin in that for right now. But that is correct. That one definitely was a fetus. So it might lean more towards these are fetuses. I've never seen, I don't think I've ever really even, I've never seen a newborn baby. I can say that. I know like when they have the big head and the tiny body, that kind of makes me think more of the fetuses. But still, we'll put a pin in that for a second. Nowadays, because everyone still wants the power of these golden childs, but not everyone wants to carry around a cooked baby or can afford one. You can buy artificial ones. There are these little statues that you wear as an amulet. And you go, okay, Jason, that's cool. I mean, like, I can understand that. <laughs> I can understand people not wanting to actually buy a cooked baby. Well, when you get these little statues, you can buy them online. What it is, is that inside of these little statues, they have a special powder for millionaire luck. That's what they call it. You don't want any of that poor people luck. You just want millionaire luck. But you're like, okay, cool. That's probably just some, you know, just some stuff they swept up off the ground. Just some sort of gimmick, some sort of scam, right? You can get any sort of dust and call it millionaire luck powder. This is on the label. This is on the label what it contains. It also contains Nam Man Pry Oil of a girl spirit mixed with fox oil. You're like, ew, fox? Ugh, that's gross. No, what is girl spirit oil? But again, maybe that's just like lavender, and they just say it smells like a girl. I don't know. Let's look at the other ingredients, okay? Ash powder of children. Real hair of children. Bone of children. So these little harmless statues that you can buy online contain the ground-up bone of children. Now, it's possible, again, that they're making it up, that it's just a bunch of stuff they swept up off the floor. But it's also possible that it's not. The millionaire dust, the millionaire lucky dust, whatever. I'm always cautious when someone's selling me a medallion that can make me a millionaire. <laughs> they are not millionaires themselves. But that aside, hair and ash and bone of children... This dude who got busted carrying six babies, fetuses, wrapped in gold leaf, trying to smuggle them into Taiwan. Guess what his sentence was? One year in prison and a fine of $64. And you go, Jason, he didn't kill the babies, right? He's just, a, he's just doing the trade. You know, I'm just a drug dealer. You know what I mean? He didn't kill the babies. He's just the middleman. But I would argue that he is engaging in activity that's leading to the death of babies. And you go, Jason, Jason, your babies, fetuses, fetuses, babies. Like, is it if he's moving the fetuses, right? Maybe these were supposed to be aborted fetuses anyways, Jason. And he's given them another life as a medallion wrapped around some dude's neck or to sit on a thing. He's just facilitating it. It's not human trafficking. It's the trafficking of human remains. Sure, but is he really that evil? I don't know why all of a sudden you become such a ghoul. He said he worked for a syndicate. So there was, this was an industry. This wasn't just him doing this. $64 and a year in prison. And this has been publicized in the media that you can, for $6,400, you can buy six golden children and then you can sell them. So it's definitely, I mean, I'm sure there might have been people who got interested in this after reading these articles. They're like, hey, honey, you know how to make some easy money. Back in 2010 in Bangkok, Thailand, 
there's this Buddhist temple in the Thonburi neighborhood of Bangkok where it is discovered there are 2,000 fetuses hidden in this monastery. The authorities come in, investigate this, take possession of the fetuses, and they go, what in the what in the world is possibly going on? And the monastery, the Buddhist monastery, says, listen, this is what happened. These are illegal abortions. These were abortions performed illegally. And the crematory that we wanted to take them to is not working. So we've been storing them here in our monastery until that's taken care of. In America, that excuse might work. That happens often, unfortunately, where crematories don't work and bodies stack up in the freezer, and then the freezer shop's working. We've we actually covered, I think, one or two of those on the show. But Bangkok already has a problem with this tradition of taking fetuses and selling them. Some of these fetuses and some of the traditions, they specifically have to be done at a monastery. Some of the traditions say they have to be done at the baby has to pass through seven different Buddhist monasteries before it is a golden child. So we have a region where Fetuses are desired. We have a place where those fetuses are supposed to be to gain their power. And that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. If six fetuses can rack in 36,000, imagine how many 2,000 could. And here is the... You go, Jason. It's just a cultural thing, maybe. You have these illegal abortions. I would have just grabbed a shovel. After the first hundred, I would have been burying babies. I don't know if that's against the Buddhist culture, but by the time once you get from a hundred babies to five hundred babies to a thousand babies, if the crematory is not working, you got to figure something out. A funeral pyre. That two thousand babies, and here's the thing: in the West, we're like, oh my goodness, two thousand babies in a Buddhist temple. Oh, that's awful. The crematory is not working, and then we find out when these articles break later. When we go in 2012 and we find out about this other story with the guy smuggling babies, then it makes sense. But in Bangkok, they know this tradition. This tradition has been going on since the 1600s, still completely whitewashed. One guy, one guy got arrested for those 2,000 fetuses being in that Buddhist monastery. One guy got arrested for that. Two chilling details before we go. One... If you research this nowadays, you're you're getting sent to all sorts of places. You're getting sent to newspapers local to Bangkok. And then you're also getting newspapers like BBC, CNN, The Independent, stuff like that. And what I discovered over and over and over again, the story is from 2010, but what I discovered over and over again, a lot of them, 404. A lot of these news websites that have... Generally good archives past 2001, or definitely past 2008. Websites have been really good. News websites have been really good about archiving their stuff. When you go to look this up, 404. 404. Website not found. There was one that said, we no longer have the right to run this story. I think that was the BBC. There was actually so many 404s that I started putting them in the show notes. Bangkok Post, the local news. If you click on that to read about this Buddhist monastery one, 404, the news article no longer exists. Now, I found the news. I was able to find articles that are still around. So that's weird. It's not the crime. It's the cover-up, right? 
could just be a local news story. I mean, it's definitely an odd local news story, but the fact that you can't find resources on this, very, very bizarre. 2010 was not that long ago. But here's the other chilling part about this. According to some of the legends of the Golden Child, the baby has to be, to make the Golden Child, if it's the fetus, right? If it's not the actual child after birth, the baby has to be forcibly removed from the pregnant mother. It has to be an unwanted abortion to become a golden child. Now, that's not true. There are variations of the legend, but that is one type of the golden child. It has to be forcibly removed from the mother. I've seen photos of aborted children. They don't come out in one piece. I don't mean to be graphic for for my remaining negative eight listeners. They don't come out in one piece. There's like a vacuum technique, and there's a there's like a, a hook or a scraping technique. Every single photo of these golden babies, they are completely intact. They look like a little little person. You can see the arms are attached to the body, the legs are attached to the body, the heads attached to the body. They're wrapped in gold. If these babies were abortions, they were removed whole from the mother. It almost looks like a cesarean abortion, which is accurate to the ancient legend. He removed the baby with the cesarean from the mother. So you have at least, I didn't see photographs of the 2000 ones in the Buddhist temple. But you have these photographs of these six babies in these boxes. They are complete. Complete babies. These, with my rudimentary knowledge of abortion, again, there might be another technique where you remove the the baby in whole in one piece, but I wouldn't understand the logic of that because the point is the pregnancy is over. So why would you want the baby to come out in one complete piece? But these are. So these are either children who were born, who were then cooked and wrapped in gold leaf, or if they are fetuses, which is what the legend says, they were removed in one piece. Life is cheap. Life is cheap. It's an unfortunate factor when you have 7 billion people on the planet. And when you have an industry where you can make six times your profit, You're not going to wait around for a young mother to get involved in a situation or get over her head and she can't figure out what she wants to do. And she goes, you know what? I hate to do this, but I'm going to terminate the pregnancy. So she goes and she terminates the pregnancy and she goes to the right clinic and they remove the baby perfectly and then they sell it to you. If you are a syndicate, if you are a criminal organization trafficking human remains, you are part of that chain you are going to get into the creation of human remains as well. I have never in my life met someone who deals drugs who has not thought of or gotten into the production of drugs. I mean, obviously, meth dealers start off buying their meth and they start trying to make it as well. Or they get involved in an organization that directly makes it. A lot of pot dealers grow as well. 
If you're a cocaine dealer, you can just go, oh, I hope the coca plants, I hope the coca plant season is great this year. I don't know. I'm just the distributor. No, you want to have a hand in everything. Now, obviously, if you're like a street dealer, that's different with coke, but you industrialize it. You make sure that you have the right amount of coke and more being produced all the time so you can meet the demands of your customers. And it would be the same thing with human trafficking. If people were buying gold-leafed cooked babies... And you can make six times the money you invested into it. You would make sure you always have those babies on hand. You may even have a stockpile. You may even have 2,000 of them. And you're not going to wait on the whims of these young women who have their back against the wall and have to make this decision. You're going to make the decision for them. You're going to farm these babies like Afghanistan was farming poppies. You're going to industrialize it. And these stories, 404, these people get a year in prison, $64 fine, and they're back in the industry. Moving that product, moving that little baby wrapped in gold leaf, and the person buying it isn't even asking, that's weird. How is it, if this wasn't a aborted fetus, how is it all in one piece? Who was the mother? Where did this come from? You just take that child and you put it on your mantle. It's going to help you get richer this year. Your stocks are going to go up. Your business is going to be more successful because you have that golden child. But to get that golden child, you have to kill the child. You have to kill the mother. And you have to support an industry that lives off of human suffering. We can look at urban legends about the babysitter who put the turkey in the bed and the baby in the oven. But if you want to look at the real depravity of humanity, you don't have to make a story up. The story of the babysitter putting the turkey in the bed and the baby in the oven sounds quaint now, doesn't it? This is industrialized. Taking babies from their mothers cooking them, covering them in gold leaf, and selling them to the highest bidder. And that is scarier than any urban legend. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. If you did, if you did, have a great one, guys. <laughs>